0: I gave out these sheets last week regarding uh, the ministries that you're either doing or you would like to get involved in. I've got about a third of them back. So if you didn't get one, uh, I want you to get one this week. If you got one and you've misplaced it, I'll give you another one. Uh, So we want to get from everyone uh, what it is we can uh, see you actively engaged in, in the church. So let's do this. If you didn't get one last week, uh, we'll do it now. You can see I'm quite persistent on this, can't you? Yeah, Dave. Um, so if you didn't get one of these sheets last week and you want one, just put your hand up now, and do please fill it in and do return it to us. Uh, we want to get really involved together as a church, supporting one another. <laughs> If you've misplaced it, just put your hand up. You can get another one. And uh, please uh, return them to me. If you fill them in today, just pop them on my desk or give them to me personally at the end. So we want to share the burden and the responsibility, the load, the work, everything that we do here together. The danger is that um, the work can fall on a few. you know often in the family there's a lot of work that falls on the shoulders of mum she does a lot more than she's really supposed to do within the family context and i think within the church that can happen as well so we sometimes need a little bit of encouragement a bit of a roll call to say come on let's let's get actively involved all together uh, for this to be a really successful church thank you david very much so our speaker is coming, so we, we want to extend to him more time, so we won't finish by quarter past or half past. We'll probably be finishing at something like quarter to one, or one o'clock. He's at Westway, and uh, he's speeding here as fast as he can. I think he left at eight o'clock this morning from Orpington, and uh, there's something going on in London that he's been thrown all over the place. I think it's So his, um, uh, I don't know where he's been this morning, he just heard he was at Westway speeding down here, so I hope he gets the the turning to come off to get here. I think he came, I missed it yesterday, so he's had a trial run at it, so he should make it. So uh, let, let's give him that grace, that time. If you have to go, you have to go, I understand that. But let's um, give him, he's travelled thousands of miles to get here. Now, who is he? Um, I met him about four years ago. Introduced to it, to him, uh, we met in a coffee shop, and uh, we, we just chatted about uh, doing some stuff together. And he is a businessman. He runs an orphanage. He uh, has invested a lot of his family's money into an orphanage. They have something like twelve children, lovely children. It's a lovely orphanage. We visited it several times and uh, he's doing an excellent job there. He's also just uh, kitted out a a building to be a cafe, Uh, and uh, it looks lovely on the pictures, and so when the team goes, we'll see the cafe uh, operating. Um, He also is part of an organization uh, of about 18 churches in Sri Lanka, and uh, we've visited several of them and done teaching in those churches, so he has a real heart to, to reach out and to touch the people in the rural areas. He's based in Colombo, his business is there, and his church is there. Uh, he's called Pastor Dilly. Uh, his name is Dilshan, Dilshan Fernando, but everyone calls him Pastor Dilly. Pastor's like the first name, isn't it, out there? Uh, and so uh, he'll be with us. His wife is Asha, and she supports him they, uh, in the work and uh, what they're doing there. They have two teenage daughters. And uh, they're serving the Lord and um, really worshippers. They've been over this week for the conference at Hillsong. Uh, There's been a conference at O2, and I think there was something like 9,000 people there on the Saturday, nine or 10,000. So he's been really uh, blessed by that. He's here till the end of the week. He's visiting friends that he hasn't seen for a while. So while he was here, we we booked him in uh, to come. So that's uh, Dilshan. As I'm sitting just and standing, worshiping the Lord then, and Dave speaks that word of love, uh, something struck me. All things work together for good for them that love the Lord. The very thought of that is that there is bad stuff that happens to us. And it is the good and the bad stuff That works good for us. The working of the good is to make us like Jesus Christ. (coughs) If Jesus has one overriding virtue, it is the virtue of love. We cannot fully appreciate how much God loves us. Uh, That's what Dave was saying. Uh, That's what Eva said. We can't, we can't. We are so damaged. In this world, we've had generations of hurt and pain coming through from generation to generation. We don't know how to receive love properly. We don't know how to give it. We do the best that we possibly can, but we are really damaged. A thought struck me, you know, one of the most exciting things about going to heaven, and I think about heaven more, maybe because I'm closer than I used to be, but that's fine. But, you know, all Christians should think of heaven. They should think of what's coming. And one thing struck me more than anything else is when we are there, we will, for the first time, appreciate the love of God. It will be overwhelming to our souls we will for the first time not only appreciate the love of God, but appreciate the love of our brothers and sisters. See, we're very suspicious down here, aren't we? We're very damaged that we can neither give or receive love in the way that God would have us do it. And he's not angry with that. He understands our brokenness. But I'm looking forward to the day when I'm there in that place, in that next world, where we will fully appreciate love and be able to give love. How does God develop love in our hearts and lives now? How does he do it? You're thinking, well, he might expose us to loving people. That's true, we could look at them. And we could say, well, that's an example. I can see what love is. I want to emulate them. I want to be with them. Do you know what I think God does? His primary way of teaching us to love. He gives us somebody to love. I'm not going to hold this together. (laughs) Be patient with me. He gives us somebody to love. And so we invest what love we have. Then he takes them away. He severs the love. It's as though he brings it and breaks it and brings it and breaks it and brings it and breaks it. And it is a process. If we allow it to happen, can turn us into greater lovers. I look through my life at relationships that I had built with people, deep, deep relationships, and they were all severed and broken. And I said, God, why? I remember definitely on three occasions just weeping and weeping because of the severed relationship. People I had lived with and worked with and invested in and ministered to, only to have them ripped away and broken. It has the danger of making us bitter and twisted and nasty. But God's plan in this is that through the severing, through the breaking, we become more loving. Jesus has experienced everything that we will ever experience. Jesus had a relationship with the Father that could have been for millions of years. And on the cross, there was a severing of that relationship. That was... Terrible, terrible. And so, because Christ was the example of the severing of the love he had with the Father, that is what we must experience. Um, for me, Lee going has been terrible, Vince going was terrible. And even when the own members of your family leave and go away, Joel's going to go. It's terrible. But it's in this that God can create a heart of love. It's as though he sets us up, he brings us together, and he pulls us apart. And we need to accept what it is that he's doing in us. Welcome. <laughs> I, was, I was just filling the gap. So you have survived. Would you like a drink or something, some water? You're, you're wonderful. We know it's taken you about four hours to get
1: here.
0: I tell you. I have complained a lot about roads in Sri Lanka.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, And you come to wonderful London with all our sophistication. And to get about an hour's journey, it takes you four. I've introduced you already to the people to save a bit of time. Um, I've already told them that they're probably going to be here till one o'clock. So don't worry about it. If some have to go, they have to go. Uh, but we're very pleased to have you with us and we welcome you here. And we give you the pulpit. No, thank you. You come. You can do what I, you not. Know, you want this or? Uh, no, I think we're going to have one.
1: No, we need it because we're recording it. So can you? Ah, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So you pop that
0: in there, and yeah. I can have another one. Okay, that's getting a rub shape.
1: Okay, so good morning, and my apologies for what took place this morning. Uh, actually, my wife and I, we didn't realize how far we were, but of course, we we kept enough time and thought that we would be here by leaving at 8.30, but unfortunately, all the bridges that connect to this part of London were closed, and we had to go all the way to Waterloo, I think, and then come round again this way. So. Well, I I suppose it must be special because that's why God (laughs) still got me here, right? And it's a pleasure to be here and it's an honor to come and share the word with you. And also, I I really thank God for Pastor Philip and his team who keeps coming and blessing us. So before I start, I'll just give you just a little bit about what we are, who we are. Well, my wife and I, uh, actually we pastored a church in Sri Lanka in the city, and we've been doing this for the past 10 years. And God called us into the ministry, I mean, to, of, of you know, actually having, running a church about 10 years ago, but I am actually a, a business person. I, I, I do a regular job. I have been working for the past 25, 30 years now. Uh, in, I started with my earthly father's business, where we sell fish, and export to a lot of the countries here in Europe uh, and also the US. Uh, But 10 years ago, uh, we shifted from our main church, which was in Ratmalana to Colombo, which is about 20 kilometers, 16 to 20 kilometers from, which is the main city. And while we were there, you know, God called us to uh, start a church there because we felt we we had an affluent crowd around us, but still families were breaking up and things were not going that great. And we just had the heart. We felt that, you know, there was something had to be done. So, uh, so we started a very small church. And it's been growing. And God has been growing. And three years ago, I had an opportunity to connect with Pastor Philip. And this through one of my disciples and good friends who, who work with us. And um, where we, able, we were able, actually, in the beginning, I was a bit... Uh, what I would say, you know, a little careful as <laughs> because I didn't know him. And in fact, the first day he came to Sri Lanka and he wanted to, I mean, when Roshantha told me, or Joseph, the way he calls him, told me about him, I said, I would like to first meet him. <laughs> so uh, it was just the night before. They just, he had landed and we went for a coffee. And from the day, from that day onwards, we clicked right and f- since then i have felt uh, you know the heart of god in him and the way he's of course sometimes he's a bit very really straightforward and little <laughs> difficult <laughs> to understand or you know need, needs explanation but he's a man of god and you know we are really honored to be a part of you know whatever that he's doing and in fact my f- friend roshanta always told me that when he came to sri lanka he didn't come to preach he came to serve so that that was a great thing and ever since then, um, he's been coming, I think, three times since then, is that right? That we met, or three or four times, yeah? Yes, and we've been trying to connect. And God has, I mean, we've been looking at your church as well and thinking about it, especially the coffee house, and where we, we had this dream also, uh, from the very first time uh, Pastor Philip shared it to us, that we wanted to do something like that too. And right now, it's just happening. Okay, so I'm really glad about that. Uh, Maybe I can ask Asha. You want to share something, or shall I finish the word and then you share? Okay. Okay, Can we just talk?
2: Okay. Hi. uh, uh, Just really happy to be here, and uh, just I just believe uh, from yesterday I felt the Lord. Uh, You know, in our lives, one thing I just want to share, and I just feel this is what God would want me to say to you. Uh, The enemy always wants to come and cause drama in our life. Uh, Even look at this morning. We had it all figured out. We came here yesterday, checked out the route, checked out the place. We timed ourselves, and yet everybody told us Sunday mornings the roads are completely free. You get there in (laughs) next to no time. (laughs) And believe it or not, a one-hour journey took us almost over three hours. Uh, so uh, looking at our lives just to very quickly say the last six months I feel God has uh, been teaching us a lot and uh, you know when a church wants to grow and a church wants to move and people are desiring to serve God the enemy is not happy And uh, if there's one thing I just want to tell you because we went through a very huge, uh, what would I say, a learning curve and a learning process when you're embarking on new territory. Uh, God gave me a a dream personally about four years back uh, about, uh, I don't know, he just started talking to me about uh, touching children and uh, saving a generation and the word I got is, you know, the enemy is kidnapping the generation. And I didn't know what it meant at that time, and I just began to pray about it. And little did I know, four years down the line, God opened the door for us to start a children's home. And today we have an orphanage with ten girls who are in it. And uh, it has been an amazing journey. And our home got really attacked this early January. Uh, We experienced some things that I never thought in my life. I I hadn't read about it. I hadn't. uh, I was uh, I was just sharing even with Eva and Pastor Philip and all know about it. Uh, It was just crazy. There was no nothing else to do but to just run to the Father, just run to God, and just draw from Him. So we just went on this journey the last six months. And whenever you know, as uh, he shared just now, we the next thing that was on our heart was you know the coffee house and and back again you find the enemy coming to attack us. Uh but you know one thing I know for sure is God reigns, God rules, God is the same. He never fails. The word that He gives to us, He is faithful and just to bring to completion. And today I just felt the Lord just really saying you will not die but live to declare it to the generations. You will not die but live. And I just want to really share that word with you because I really felt uh, many of you, if you have uh, dreams and challenges and stuff that you have been uh, wanting to overcome in your life, I just really feel God just saying, you know, our God is greater. Our God is stronger. He is is the same yesterday. His promises are the same. And I believe that whatever God has placed in your heart this morning, He wants to encourage you. You are going to bring it to pass. It is going to happen. Just trust Him because it is a testimony that you can share to the next generation. So I just want to leave that with you. God bless you.
1: Okay. Give me a sec. So we also are, I have two daughters who are 16 and 14. And, you know, we have, together we love to worship the Lord. And, in fact, uh, uh, I was doing a series on worship the last four or five weeks. And one of my passages of scripture which I was using was in terms with uh, Romans 12.1, where it says, You know, that what is your act of worship, which God says, or Paul says that you offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing unto God. And this is your spiritual act of worship. Uh, And, you know, when you talk about life, and many of us, you know, many of us don't have the opportunity probably to, to have the pulpit to, you know, display our worship or, you know, even to come on just on a Sunday and worship. Uh, and the, many Christians believe that you know, worship is only centered around the time when you come together as a group and you, you know, have praise and worship or you lift up your hands and you worship. Of course, people also believe it has to be a part of your life. But does it actually involve your life? And one of the things that are very really important in everyone's life is your work life. What do you do? And it's interesting because in the, in the Word of God, especially when you look at Jesus and in the New Testament, out of the 52 parables that Jesus taught, 43 of them have been in a workplace context. And if you look at the 132 public appearances of Jesus in the New Testament, 122 times were in, you know, again in a workplace environment. And uh, the question is, why do people, or why do believers, why do Christians, you know, kind of box and say, worship, okay, is you, you keep Sunday as for your worship, and on Monday, you turn to your job, and you become a Monday morning atheist, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and, and many, and, and because I think one of the reasons is that many Christians have this problem of uh, thinking that, you know, work, is, uh, is something like, you know, something that God put on people after the sin, right? After, after Adam. Uh, but I just, I, 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 let me just enlighten you on what I believe. Uh, first of all, I think that if, it is, if 60% of our waked time, in other words, when we are awake, 60, 60% of our time, we spend in a job or in a workplace. And if we are supposed to, you know, have a lifestyle of worship, then we, our work has to be our worship as well, or has to play a very big part. And uh, and when you read this scripture in Romans chapter twelve, verse one, where it says, "Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God." And this is your spiritual act of worship. I wonder why God didn't. Say, why don't you offer your spirit, or your mind, or your heart? But if you really think about it, you can't offer any of those things without your body. If your body can't go somewhere, then you can't take the rest of you with you, right? And we cannot place our our physical bodies behind, right? Because you can't do anything outside your body. And what the Lord is saying is, I want your body he says i want every part of it i want you to sacrifice it for me as a daily on a daily basis and and he talks about living sacrifices see living sacrifice is much harder than a dead sacrifice right and and as i told you you know in, in those days of course when, when the, it's kind of weird because it's easy when when you, when you had a lamb or a, 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 you know some turtle doves or a bull or something you know you kill the animal, you let the blood go, and then the mamna is dead, right but here we have to constantly we keep moving away from the altar right by the way we live our lives and and as I told you, sometimes the whole whole thing about work is uh, there is if you if, if you look at the account in the book of Genesis, I think in verse fifteen where it says, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And this particular word that is mentioned in, the, in, in that context is the word avoda. Uh, and which actually means like business type or agricultural work or you know like tending a field. Uh, and it was basically traditionally trying to how to serve God. And this same word, if you look at it in, in, uh, uh, in, in the book of, you know, the uh, uh, place where Moses, actually, uh, where God tells Moses, go and ask Pharaoh, let my people go so that they might serve me. And the word serve, work, avoda are all the same thing. And the word serve also is, is the similar word for worship right when you come to service you know a lot of people sometimes think you come to get serviced or you know you but you don't come to get serviced right you come to you come to serve god right this is your spirit, spiritual act of service not, you're not like a car that needs to go for a service once in a while to get some oil and lubrication and stuff like that right but this is our, our act of worship and i believe that we need to change our mindset Right? Whether you are probably doing a a job in in a coffee house or you're changing tires in a garage or you are an electrician or even a a stay-at-home mother who looks after a baby, starts washing nappies. Right? Whatever you do, right? Even if you're cooking a meal, your work is your worship. And the way you, it it is not a, it it is not, it is like the platform for you to proclaim your worship to your Creator. And, see, you don't always have to have a pulpit and a Bible, right? But people around you will definitely know if you are someone who, uh, you know, really is, is, is one of God's and who, who really serves the Lord. Uh, one day, there was a lady who came to our church and she was getting connected to us and um, she's getting married, I think, to a, a Muslim uh, guy. And, but this, this friend of ours, <coughs> who's also a believer from the church in Ratmalana, introduced her and told her, told Asha, why don't you uh, just you know, try to befriend her? And she's a bit confused, and she needs to f- find a way. She has just made a commitment, right? And just look after her. And, and absolutely, uh, she comes to our church now, this lady. And uh, Asha says she, sh- when she listened to him, this this friend of ours who is in <clears throat> in is the boss of this girl, this lady who is working in the office, and this lady was like sharing and telling, uh, you know, her that you know, see, you know, she doesn't want to go for another job even because she's such a good boss, he's such a wonderful man, and that he's able to you know like whenever they are down or anything like that, she, you know, he calls her forward and finds out, and so you. I mean, so this is a non-believer, someone who had just received the Lord, but who sees it, you know, in people doing their regular job. So I guess we, we can do whatever that we are doing in excellence if we really uh, do it. In fact, yesterday you showed me a paper about what's happening in Reading here, and I feel that you know we need to do certain things even in the marketplace. Uh, there's a there's a story in 1857. ...about a person by the name of Jeremiah Lamphere. And he was a regular uh, business guy who was working in a bank. And this is the time that everything was failing. There was recession in America. Thousands of businesses were failing. Merchants were forced to close down. The banks were failing. The railroads were failing. Factories were sending vast numbers of people... On unemployment and in October 1857 it says in the New York City alone there were about 30,000 people without jobs or they were idle and uh, this man was in, in 1857 he was a businessman, and uh, his church which is the Dutch Reformed Church appointed him to be a city missionary they call it and they felt that you know, looking at their church, their their membership of the church was depleting, and uh, you know, a lot of uh, you know there, there were there were people who were leaving their jobs because probably the things that were going on, and there were better I suppose downtown residential quarters and stuff like that going on, so people were leaving the neighborhood, and but this this uh, this person was given the 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 job of. Going and starting a prayer meeting in a city mission, right, in right down uh, New York, which is about a few doors next to Wall Street, a few blocks away, And, and, and he, he was a good businessman, so because he was a good businessman, like he knew, okay, he had been given this responsibility, and because he had the responsibility, he felt that he had to print a nice uh, flyer and stuff like that. And he began to distribute it among the streets, people standing around, probably without jobs and things like that. And, and he called it a Wednesday morning. He had a Wednesday, 12 o'clock, 12 noon. He, was, he, he wanted them to come to this city hall where at 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock that they would pray. And this, basically this meeting was intended to give uh, an opportunity to all these people who were in you know, distress and difficulties, who were perplexed. And things were going on wrong that, you know, they would just come together and probably, you know, spend time in prayer. And this meeting started, it was June, he was given the assignment, 23rd of September, he starts it. But when he starts it, nobody comes. First day, just before one o'clock, almost one o'clock, one person appears. Right? And then the next day, the meeting begins to grow, and then after the first week, he, he, he began to have about 30 people, 25 people coming in. And then it says, after uh, six months, this meeting turned out to be 10,000. And within two years, there was a million converts that came through this meeting. And this happened in the marketplace. This was one businessman, one guy who, who felt the need when they were going through certain differences and they will that God can, is the solution. And because of that, yeah, he, he, he took this upon himself. It was not a pastor, not someone who was full-time in ministry or anything like that. A normal, regular businessman who took upon this responsibility. So I feel, you know, it's, it's really interesting to see that how God himself was so interested to people getting involved in their own vocation and in their own vocation to be able to, you know, present the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that is one of our desires as well as a church, so we are looking for new things to do, uh, to do church differently—not the way it has been done in the past. And it's interesting that, you know, Jesus also, when he died, he did not carry the cross—you know—through the church setting or through some denomination. He 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 went down the Via della Rosa, and that is the—if you have been to Italy or to Israel, it's just a very small street with shops all over, and it's it's like so narrow, right, it's, it's terrible, you can't imagine. We have a place called Peta in, in Sri Lanka. This is worse than Peta, if you have been, right, it's, it's so small. And, but he took the cross through, which I think also signifies that it was so important, the workplace, and, and it is because through our work we can truly exalt God, and with excellence we can bring it and I always think there is this illustration of an electric switch, a little light switch. And when you look about a switch, you always think about the flow of current or power through the switch. Now, if you, if you look at this switch, the switch has three terminals generally, one is the ground and the other is the, the, the positive, the, or the current side, and the other one is where the power travels through. And uh, I feel that those three things are significant because we need to be grounded to the word, if you look at it, and you need to have the power of the Holy Spirit, but we have to switch it on. You see? Because some what happens to many of us, as I told you, when we switch off on a Monday morning, right? And so... So when, when people come to church, they come to church. They have a, they hear a great teaching, they they are blessed, and they, they sing the last song. But, and then they say, enjoy, see you next week, until you come back again. But that's exactly not what God wants from each one of us. So it is our duty to take our work to 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 exalt God, and so that others might see and be you know see this. And even what we do, we can do it with excellence so that they can see the Lord in us. And if you look at Jesus himself, you know, uh, why did God not put him among for 18 years at least he worked as a carpenter? I mean, he should have been training in some Bible school or he should have been doing some uh, learning how to preach or something like that. But, but God himself decided that you know, at least let, let he had to work In a carpenter's, uh, you know, uh, workshop, and it's it's funny that how why did God do this? But I guess God knows best, and I think He He thought of it. He was it says He was pleased, and and there's a question that is also asked: Was God pleased with Jesus when He was at the carpenter's shop, when He was planing the wood and making the chairs and the table all? Was he pleased when he was carrying the cross? I think he was pleased in both cases, in both, in both settings. He was just as pleased because he was in the center of the will of God and he was doing what God wanted and he was in the purpose of God. So, so I, I just feel that you know this is our calling and as a church, uh, I mean, we, we, we also, I mean, I, I, my whole church is comprising of all, all my guys are working. They're all doing jobs. Not, it's not the best. I would say it's good if you could have some full-time workers who can do work, you know, and you know really be concentrating on the ministry. But I try to teach them this: that even in your workplace, even in your, you can still shine for God, and you can bring excellence to to God. And um, and God does this because He wants. And I, and just in ending, I, I'm. Just cutting it short because I don't want you to just hang around too long, <laughs> because I got late. But just to give you a closing thought, the amazing thing about you know when Moses, when when he met the Lord, uh, you know at the burning bush, uh, Moses comes to this place where he's asking God to show him something about. You know, he's, he's actually stuttering and he's, he's, he, when God tells him, you know, go and do this. Go go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And then Moses is asking for a sign. He's saying, show me something. You know, and then God asks this question from him. What is in your hand? And the question he was asking is one of the most important questions that we need to answer for ourselves. The Lord is asking you, what is in your hand? It's interesting because, you know, that staff, or the shepherd staff, represented three things that Moses, it was his influence, it was his identity, and it was his income. Right? All those three things were embedded, and, and the Lord just said, throw it down, and the moment he threw it down, it became a living thing, right, that, that it, it, it basically, it, it became alive, right, and, and I think the throwing down, and, and ever since that day onwards, that rod was never referred to as Moses' staff, but rather it was called the rod of God. Right, and it is because he it was it there was nothing magical about it. It was just that he was asked to lay it down. And as he lays it down, God takes it and that is his worship and God transforms it. I think he does the same thing to each one of us. Right? He wants to transform us, he wants to change us. You know, he wants us to go from glory to glory, from you know from from you know strength to strength. And I believe also. I mean, yesterday I was with Pastor Philip here, and we were discussing. He was telling me about the plans, you know, and I was telling him, "Yes, I think it's great, right?" Just we need to have a big vision, right? Uh, I I believe for myself. I mean, I we also have not yet, you know, got a lot of the lot of the visions and the and the dreams that we have in our hearts are still not accomplished, right? But we still have it in our head, and we believe that God wants to do great things, you know. Uh, even in the coffee house, I, I, I believe, you know, in Sri Lanka, if you look at a lot of pastors, a lot of uh, uh, workers, they, you know, they are very underpaid. You know, they, and if you are working for a church, it means that you are making a sacrifice. And I think that's not good. I, I believe that, you know, if, if you are in the kingdom business, if you are doing God's work, then you should be paid better than the world. <laughs> right? So we want to create that. So in fact, we want to pay our staff higher than what the world would pay for something like that, right? So we want to show them that you know, the, the, the church can do these things. The church can basically you know, be greater than you know, what the world does. And, and I believe that you know, we should change the mindset. Sri Lanka is, has, has had this for many years. They always want to get, 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 you know, but I think that's not what it should be. It's time to give. It's time. We need to bless, you know, the place, like the missionaries that came from here and, you know, preached the gospel many, many years ago, right? But we are still, it's this this mindset. The mindset needs to change. And I believe that if we lay it down before the Lord, if we are willing to make our work, our worship to God, then he can do great things with it. Amen? Amen. Okay, so <laughs> what do you about? Okay.
0: <laughs> We're going to pray for you now. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're always pleased to go for
2: uh, permission.